Hello! Welcome back to the Magic Woods Podcast. This episode is called Darny Vorse Headquarters. Well, that afternoon, Tyro and Kitty told Ruby, the little girl, that they needed to get to Darny Vorse Headquarters in some place called Massachusetts. So Ruby went downstairs and asked her parents how far away Massachusetts was, and they said a couple of hundred miles. And then Ruby went back upstairs and said to Kitty and Tyro, um, it's a couple hundred miles. And Kitty went, whoa, this world is huge. Tyro said, yeah. Um, do you have elephant buses here? Ruby said, what? No, of course we don't have elephants on buses. Kitty said, hmm, maybe we could borrow your parents' car? Ruby said, I don't think they'd let you. Also, you're too little. How would you drive it? (sighs) Well, they brainstormed a few other ideas. A hot air balloon? Ooh, a rocket. No, we should take a train. Before finally deciding that Ruby should mail them to Darnie Vorse headquarters. Tyro said, it's the best idea, really. I mean, that way we can get past security and go directly to Didmore's office. Kitty said, eh, sure. But how will we survive in a box that long? Ruby said, oh, I'll just make air holes in the box and I'll pack some treats too. Tyro said, yeah. Oh, and maybe ask your parents to pay for us to get there as fast as possible. Ruby said, yeah. Kitty said, okay. So the next morning, a Saturday, Ruby got a box and poked some air holes in it and packed Kitty and Tyro inside along with some treats. She wrote the address on the top of the box. Dr. Didmore, Darnivore's Headquarters, 2090 Remby Road, Eastboro, Massachusetts. Then she asked her parents if they could mail the box for her. And her dad frowned and said, Um, honey, why are you mailing a box to a random place in Massachusetts? Ruby took a deep breath, practicing the lie she had rehearsed. She said, It's, um, it's for a science contest. Her mom said, a science contest? Ruby said, yeah, it's for um, girls who want to become engineers. Her dad said, I thought you wanted to be a ninja zookeeper. Ruby said, well, maybe I want to be a ninja zookeeper engineer. Her mom and dad still didn't look convinced. So Ruby stamped her foot and said, you're supposed to encourage me. Okay, her mom nodded. You're right, you're right. Um, We'll mail your... What is it, a machine, an experiment? Ruby said, thank you. And then she said, oh, and can we do it today and send it fast? It needs to be there really soon. Her dad said, when's the contest deadline? And Ruby danced out of the room without answering, thank you. Well, later that morning, Ruby and her dad brought the box to the post office. Her dad heard a noise inside the box when Kitty opened a bag of chips. Huh? The dad tried to peer through the little air holes to see what was inside, but he couldn't see inside. And then he shook the box gently. (laughs) Kitty and Tyro were jostled around, and Ruby said, Don't shake it, Daddy, it's fragile. He said, Oh, um, well then let's write fragile on it so the mail carriers don't jostle it too much. So they wrote fragile on the package, and they paid to send it by two-day mail. And then Ruby whispered into the box, Good luck before the mail carriers took it away. And her dad said, did you just whisper good luck to your uh, uh, whatever was in that box? Ruby said, yep. Well, Kitty and Tyro traveled in the box for two days. 
It was a rough journey, full of much jostling and bumping. Pfft, ow, oof. At one point, after they had been tossed upside down into the back of another truck, pfft, ow, Kitty rubbed her head and said, Oh, I'd hate to see what it would be like if they didn't write fragile on the box. At last, they reached the Darny Vorse mailroom on Monday morning, and a security guard said, What's this? He shook the box lightly, and some potato chip crumbs fell out. Another guard looked at the box and said, It says it's for Didmore. The first guard said, Yeah, I know, but it looks like a kid wrote the address. In crayon, too. The second guard said, Well, Didmore's a weirdo. Doesn't surprise me. Just send it up to his office. So somebody brought the box up a flight of stairs and placed it on a desk. And as soon as it was quiet, Kitty and Tyro clawed their way out of the box. And Kitty went, oh, phew, man, I got stuffy in there. Tyro said, yeah, and hopefully we can find a bathroom soon. They looked around the room and Kitty said, okay, this must be Didmore's office. Tyro found a small device on the desk, about the size of a watch face, with three glowing blue buttons. He studied it carefully for a minute or two, and read an instruction manual that seemed to explain the device. And Kitty looked around the room and said, Okay, we gotta see if Jeffrey is still trapped in this building somewhere. Let's get out of this office and explore around. But suddenly they heard a noise, and Kitty went, Hide! She and Tyro ducked under the desk as an older, bearded man stepped into the room. It was Dr. Didmore. The doctor sat down at his desk. (sighs) Kitty and Tyro stayed silent in the dark beneath his desk. They recoiled at the smell of his feet. (coughs) And then Didmore sneezed. And then he sorted through some files and typed a note on his computer. And after a couple of minutes, there was a knock at the door. Dr. Didmore, said a voice. The board is ready now. (sighs) Didmore sighed heavily. Okay. He grabbed the strange device with the glowing blue buttons, and then he left the room. Come on, said Tyro to Kitty, and they rushed to exit the room before the door closed behind Didmore. They followed Didmore down a long hallway. They passed a room with thick glass walls, where a big ball of blue light hovered and thrummed. Arcs of energy pulsed and sparked ominously over the ball's surface. Beneath the ball was a mass of wires and metal rods. The floating ball of light made a low buzzing sound that seemed wrong somehow. Tyro looked at the ball curiously, as if he recognized it from somewhere. Well, they followed Didmore into a large lecture hall, slipping inside just before the door closed. And then they hid behind a curtain as Didmore approached the podium where the microphone was. The room was full of peepoos, mostly men, dressed in sad gray suits. A short, bespectacled man introduced Didmore to the group. Gentlemen and ladies of the board, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Stanley J. Didmore. There was some polite applause, and the bespectacled man bowed and let Didmore step up to the microphone. Didmore cleared his throat. throat) 
Many years ago, as I'm sure you know, I successfully used science to journey to a magical world. It was a horrible place in many ways, full of tiny talking animals and other assorted mutants. Mm, Kitty bristled. Suddenly, Didmore thumped his chest and hooted like an ape. <laughs> Many of the peepoos in the audience jumped in surprise. <gasps> Didmore grimaced angrily, then continued. Some of the inhabitants injected me with a terrible potion, making me think and act like a gorilla for many years, until the folks at Darnivorce rescued me. Still, the lingering effects of the terrible potion remain. <laughs> Kitty whispered to Tyro, He's totally lying. We got him with his own potion. Didmore continued, for years, I tried to return from that horrible world without success. So imagine my surprise and delight when two human children crossed into that world. Kitty said, Jeffrey and Jennifer. Tyro said, yeah, it must be. Didmore said, well, I asked the children how they managed to travel back and forth between this world and that world and they revealed that they used a pair of magical tickets. I briefly stole a ticket from one of them and tried to use it, but for some reason it didn't work for me. <laughs> However, I was successfully able to attach a transmitter and tracker into the girl's jacket. It was a brilliant plan, and I hoped to contact Darnie Vorse that way when they came back to this world. Suddenly, a figure in the shadows at the back of the room stepped forward. He was a grim-faced pee-poo in an expensive suit. Thank you, Doctor, he said to Didmore, elbowing him aside and taking hold of the microphone. I can take it from here. Didmore glowered at him a moment, then stepped back and said, Of course, Mr. Darney. Then Didmore slunk back and waited in the shadows, just a few feet away from where Kitty and Tyro were hiding. And the grim-faced Mr. Darney addressed the audience. We were surprised, naturally, to receive Didmore's transmission once the girl crossed back over to this world. But we were also delighted, for Didmore had sent us great news. The world he had discovered was heavily forested and full of magical artifacts and doodads. We endeavored to get there by stealing and studying the magical tickets that the children had been using. So we sent a team to get the tickets, but the team was unable to find them in the children's house, so we realized that the children must have been in the habit of carrying the tickets with them. So the team followed the family in their car one day, hoping to take the tickets by force if necessary. Unfortunately, as many of you know, the Skylark family realized they were being followed and uh, tried to elude our drivers. They went off a cliff and crashed and, well, three members of the family perished in the fiery explosion. <gasps> Kitty swallowed, full of emotion. Tyro touched her shoulder gently in support. And Mr. Darney said, oh, the young boy lived. We took him and uh, asked where his ticket was, but he claimed he had lost his ticket some time before. We did manage to extract most of the girl's ticket from the fiery crash. 
and our best scientists set to work on studying the damage ticket. You know, its molecular makeup, its energy fields, etc., all that bloody blah magic stuff. Over time, we were able to use their discoveries in our work. The boy we kept here. There was movement in the crowd, an uncomfortable shuffling. Mr. Darney held up his hand. Ah, oh, don't worry, don't worry. We treated him well, we treated him fine. Obviously, we couldn't release him to the authorities. But we were very kind to him. I mean, we gave him his own room and lots of notebooks because the kid really liked writing. <laughs> he began writing feverishly while he was imprisoned here. I mean, while he was living here, excuse me. He wrote about magical worlds and <laughs> worlds where death wasn't permanent and evil always lost. <laughs> Mr. Darney chuckled at such foolishness and then lowered his voice. Now here's an interesting thing. Whenever the boy created a new world on paper, a real new world would appear on our sensors. The boy was a world maker, somehow. Imagine the possibilities. A red-haired woman in the crowd said, Where is the boy now? Mr. Darney stiffened slightly. He is no longer with us. There was a slight murmur, but Mr. Darney held up his hand again and the crowd fell silent. Uh, the rest you know. We were able to reach the world known as Magical Woods, and we successfully deforested much of it. <laughs> he turned his head and nodded at Dr. Didmore, who was peeling a banana. And we found Mr. Didmore here, brought him back, and cured him uh, as best we could. Didmore went, <laughs> Mr. Darney turned back to the crowd, and then Mr. Didmore resumed his research. Working together, Darney Vorse is proud to present the Portal Maker. Dr. Didmore stepped forward and held out the little device with the blue buttons. And Mr. Darney said, with this little doodad, we can rip portals into all sorts of magical worlds and harvest their natural resources with no trouble at all. So no more peeking into wardrobes or searching for hidden doors or lost keys to be able to find magical worlds full of mighty trees and magical doodads and dinguses and all that kind of stuff. Now, lots of magical worlds are at our fingertips, ready to be plundered. <laughs> the audience rose to its feet and applauded. The red-haired woman looked ill at ease, but she stood up and clapped with the rest. It would have looked suspicious if she hadn't. Well, Dr. Didmore stepped forward and whispered to Mr. Darney while the crowd was cheering. Mr. Darney, I, I still can't control which world the portal maker will take us to. Mr. Darney's eyes flashed dangerously. Sure, sure, but I trust you will fix that problem in time, Stanley. Why don't you go recharge the portal maker right now and get back to your research, huh? Go on. Didmore stepped back and bowed slightly. Of course, sir. And Mr. Darney held up his hand for the crowd to be silent. And Didmore slipped quietly from the room. And Kitty said to Tyro, come on, let's follow him and grab that portal maker. Well, Kitty and Tyro followed Didmore out of the lecture hall. He headed back upstairs and towards that buzzing ball of light behind the thick glass windows. Bzzz. 
He used a special key to get into the room. Tyro and Kitty slipped in behind him. And then Didmore took out the portal maker and set it on a table. And then he looked around for a trash can to throw his banana peel away. Then he caught sight of Kitty and dropped the banana peel on the floor. <gasps> he said, you. Kitty said, yep, I'm back. And Didmore said, but, but how? Behind him, Tyro climbed onto the counter and grabbed the portal maker. Kitty said, I've got powers you can only dream of. And she assumed a Kitty Karate stance. Well, Didmore looked frightened for a second, but then he laughed. Oh, I doubt it, little kitten. <laughs> and then he tried to step on Kitty. <laughs> but Kitty easily leaped out of the way. <laughs> Kitty Karate, yeah! She leaped onto Didmore's arm and he said, hey! And he tried to slap her, but she jumped out of the way and he hit his own arm. <laughs> Ow! Well, Kitty kept leaping about, running in and out of Didmore's legs and climbing on his back and jumping off his shoulders. And Didmore kept trying to step on Kitty and punch Kitty, but kept hitting himself. <laughs> Ow! Oh, stop it! Oh! And outside the room, a pair of security guards peered through the glass walls and saw Didmore slapping and punching at himself. Oh, oh, stop it! They couldn't see Kitty. And one guard said, what is Didmore doing beating himself up? The other guard laughed. Probably, he's such a weirdo. And then they walked away. Well, Kitty kept leaping about. Yeah, Kitty Karate! Until at last, Didmore slipped on the banana peel. Whoa! Ooh. He landed on his back, the wind knocked out of him. <gasps> Tyro was standing near the ball of light for some reason. And then he tossed the portal maker to Kitty and said, Catch! Huh? Kitty caught the portal maker. One of its lights was blinking rapidly. Beep, 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 beep. Didmore went, That's mine! And he reached for it. But Kitty easily jumped out of the way. Then she looked up at Tyro and said, Let's go! But she noticed that Tyra was holding a pair of thin wires at the base of the machine that was holding the ball in place. Kitty said, what are you doing, Tyro? Let's get out of here. Tyro said, I saw this in Juwan's vision stone. If I touch these two wires together, this ball of mystic energy explodes and the peepoos will never be able to create another portal maker. Kitty said, but what will happen to you? Tyro said, I'll... I'll be caught in the explosion. Didmore nearly choked in his shock. Don't do that. Do you know how hard it was to find that ball of mystic energy? We'll never find another. <laughs> Tyro said, yeah, that's the idea. Kitty said, Tyro, just step away. You don't need to do this. <laughs> Tyro held the wires a quarter of an inch apart, as far as his tiny forearms could stretch. He said, I have to do this, Kitty. It's my destiny. I know it. I saw it in the stone. It's the only way to stop these guys. Didmore rose to his feet, having finally got his wind back, and he scurried out the door, and he said, The ball of energy is about to explode! Evacuate! Evacuate! <laughs> Alarms sounded in the hallway, and red lights flashed. And Kitty said, I'm not leaving you, Tyro. Tyro smiled sadly. Yes, you are. He nodded at the portal maker in Kitty's paws. I set that to take you away from here in a couple of seconds. Kitty said, what? She looked down at the portal maker, just as a hole ripped in reality, and she was sucked away into another world. No! 
Goodbye, Tyro cried. And the last thing Kitty saw before the portal closed was Tyro touching the wires together. And then a blinding flash of light. When Ruby's parents saw the news about an explosion at Darnivore's headquarters in Massachusetts, they said, Uh, honey, isn't that where you just sent your science project for the contest? Ruby said, yeah. Her dad said, uh, that wasn't your experiment that exploded, was it? Ruby said, no, of course not, probably. They said, what? She said, no, of course not. Well, an undercover reporter named Nina Kapolsky, she was the red-haired woman who had been at the board meeting, discovered that the Darnivores Corporation was responsible for kidnapping a little boy named Jeffrey Skylark after causing the rest of his family to die in a car accident. A host of other crimes came to light in the aftermath of the explosion as well. And soon, Mr. Darney and his cronies, including Dr. Didmore, were in jail, where they spent the rest of their lives. And the Darney Vorse Corporation went bankrupt and closed down forever. They were never able to plunder another magical world again. According to the news reports, no one had been injured in the explosion. The explosion that spelled the beginning of the end for the Darney Vorse Corporation. But they were wrong. A little Tyrannosaurus, the last surviving slurkworm from the bygone world known as Magic Woods, had given his life that day. Well, that's the end of the story, Darney Vorse Headquarters. The next episode is called Tour of the Worlds. Good night.